0: This is Jewish Board Talk with Cherie Zephyr only on 101.9 High FM.
1: Comedian Nick Rabinovitz is completely over it. Following President Ramaphosa's initial hard COVID lockdown, he was forced, in his own words, to pivot from a stand-up comedian to a sit-down home school deputy principal. A month later, he resigned and has been attempting to self-isolate from his children ever since. Hmm, funny. We can all, to a greater or lesser degree, relate to his experiences, but isn't this the job of a comedian, to highlight the absurdity of our reality and then help us find the humour in it? I'm delighted to have Nick, whose show I'm um, over it will be at the Santon Theatre on the Square until the 26th of March. Nick, welcome and thank you so much for joining me.
0: Good morning, Cherise.
1: A lot of things can be done over Zoom, but I imagine comedians, stand-up comedians is not one of them. because the the connection between the audience and yourself is so tangible and it's part of what makes the show. Am I right?
0: Yeah. I mean, obviously it's amazing to be back having a live audience, but I have to say I did enjoy quite a lot of the shows I did online when I could see people and connect with them in often in quite an intimate way at their homes. Um, connecting with their teams. And I actually had some very memorable experiences.
1: Do you want to share?
0: One in particular where my daughter smuggled her potty into the show under my desk. And I didn't realize it until I looked down and was like, Sophie, what are you doing? I'm, I'm doing a show. And she said, shh, I'm booing. I remember once doing a show for a company and there was somebody was in their lounge Uh, I had a hippopotamus on the shelf, and we had a whole conversation about the Renosta and the Circuit. And then another guy was brying at the Orange River. And then, you know, people like shows for international companies with people all over the world. I did a show for Nando's in the US where we had this incredible software that allowed to connect with people all over North America. Just crazy things that would never have happened before.
1: It wasn't as bad as I thought it might be. I'm sure lockdown gave you a lot of fresh material because there was so much that kind of, there was a lot to laugh at.
0: There was so much. I mean, I remember one day I actually videoed, I was I took a clandestine video over the wall of my neighbor Who I thought was getting a visit from his new girlfriend, but it turned out to be uh, an illicit alcohol smuggler, a middle aged blonde woman. That's the perfect smuggler to get uh, but i didn't know until he opened the door and she handed him a brown bag and said enjoy and then went back to her car and then the phone rang and then she very loudly told the whole neighborhood that no those 12 boxes of brandy weren't yours the whiskey i gave you the whiskey the brandy was somebody
1: another client do you agree that comedians help us find the absurdity and help us to laugh at it do you see that your role as a way as a mediator between harsh reality and almost like a psychologist.
0: Yes, I, I do think so. I think that when we can laugh about the traumatic experiences we've been through, there is some kind of release, and we can maybe process it in a healthier way. And also just the physiological benefits of laughing at what we've been through. We've known this for a long time. Viktor Frankl wrote a book about it. So there is certainly something therapeutic, not just for the audience but for the comedian as well to be able to process what they've been through. We may as well buy a giant couch and put it in the theatre on the square.
1: It is therapy and it is therapeutic and it is important for us to laugh and we, we know, I mean, shared is a bee, maybe laughter is the best medicine. But you speak about it for the comedian? And And to what extent do comedians use humor to mask other issues?
0: In terms of one's daily life, if you are always using humor to deflect or deal with things without dealing with things, then I think it is certainly problematic. It is something that I can remember doing quite a lot of work on at some point in my life when I was involved in a lot of personal development stuff and I would always use humor as a way to not deal with certain things so I think there is certainly that potential problem
1: but it's not so much as masking pain as perhaps dealing with stuff a little bit late or dealing with it in your own way or not dealing with it
0: yeah that's interesting so some masking pain a few weeks ago I had to go on stage We had a terrible, tragic accident with our dog and he died. And uh, this dog had become very close to you over the last two years, spent a lot of time with him. And he was just the most incredible being. And uh, I just cried for hours that day. And then I had to go and do a show that night. And I didn't say anything about it until the last minute of the show where I'd said, good night, everybody. And I just, Wanted to tell you that, and I didn't know what to say. And then I was reminded of a question that I get asked a lot, which is, how do you go and do stand-up comedy on a day when you just really don't feel like being funny or entertaining people? And I said, today is one of those days. There aren't many of those days, but today, this is what happened. And um, I actually wanted to cancel the show, but I didn't. My wife said to me, what would your dog have wanted you to do? And in that show, I told the story of going to look for a suicidal man on Table Mountain with my dog and how we chased after this guy. My dog had ran to him, licked him, come back to me, licked me, gone back to him, licked him because we were both exhausted because I was running after this guy for so long to try and save him. And I said, that's what my dog would have wanted for me to come out tonight and lick a suicidal middle-aged white man in the face. Grant, are you suicidal or not? It doesn't matter. I'll still lick you in the face. Long live Rafi. Good
1: night. Wow, that's very, very powerful. Uh, Nick, I'm guessing that you've always wanted to be a stand-up comedian. And for you, there was no other choice.
0: No, I didn't really know what stand-up comedy was until probably the late 90s. I remember seeing a stand-up in Grahamstown. I was working for a company called Theatre for Africa. And there was a guy, he was quite abrasive, and he was making uh, jokes. He was roasting my boss at the time. He was a playwright. And I didn't really understand what was going on. But then, of course, I discovered international comics like the Scottish Billy. His name has just escaped me. He was the famous Scottish comedian. And then in early the early 2000s, 2001, actually, late 2001, I discovered stand-up comedy. And I the first time I performed was the first time I literally... The second time I'd watched stand-up and I fell in love with it immediately. So that was just over 20 years ago. But I didn't, as a kid, certainly wasn't a career choice. I had a godfather who was an actor and told jokes. I used to collect his jokes, actually. Percy Seif. Do you remember Check Your Mate on SABC1? I do,
1: actually, yes. Or the
0: Omo commercials. So I used to sit around the Friday Shabbat table. And Percy, I would wait to see if he was in the mood. And if he was in the mood, then he would start. And it could go on and on and on and on. And then I would make notes in a little notebook. I would write down the jokes and the punchlines and then try and regurgitate them to my friends.
1: Nick, you talk about sitting around the Shabbos table and your godfather. Jewish humor, is there such a thing?
0: Uh, yes, I think there is. I'm, I'm not a, a great student of it, so I, I can't wax lyrical about it. But certainly, I think in terms of dealing, coming back to your earlier question, that we have these thousands of years of experience of pain and depression. And, and I think that we have developed a humor to deal with that. And I think that might lie at the core of Jewish humor somehow.
1: I'm fascinated by humor at many levels. And I've often toyed with the idea of studying you know, whether humor is can it be translated, do you find that you are a particularly South African comedian? Or do you think, you you know, you mentioned earlier the Zoom show. Is there something as a South African humor?
0: Well, I think because we have such a diversity of culture and language, we also have a very diverse sense of humor. I think it's a little bit difficult to talk about a South African sense of humor. I actually had a Xhosa lecturer at UCT many years ago, Tessa Darling, who wrote a PhD on Xhosa humor. So the distinctions between language and culture are at times quite massive in terms of humor. But I I guess there are some broad strokes that if you were a student of South African humor, you could find. But of course, within those subsets, I think there's quite a large variation in terms of what's funny. But I I do think that we have sort of quite a course, if you sort of compare uh, humor here to in other parts of the West, for example, I think it's more coarse, and we're always like sort of ten years behind in terms of what's politically correct and stuff like that. So, but it would be interesting. I, I think maybe you should begin your postdoctoral studies. Charisse, sounds like
1: I thought about it, and then I thought, you know what? I I can get what I need without going through the the pain of actually doing yeah. doing the studies. I, I get it from talking to people like yourself. I get more insight, I think, than I would from reading lots and lots of books. Let's speak about do you find there's a pressure on you to be funny, Nick?
0: There is an expectation, I would say. The pressure comes in with, you know, actual shows and and putting in making sure there's a laugh every 15 seconds and and also when it comes to new material, making sure the new content lives up to the expectation of the audience from your previous work. So there's a lot of pressure around, I find, around developing new Shows. That's the most stressful part of the job. In terms of walking around and people are like, ah, it's Nick, tell us uh. if I'm in the mood, yeah. And if I'm not, you know, it's like, well, did you pay? Did you pay? Because we just did a coffee shop, enough So,
1: talking about new material, new shows, you are live and alive in the uh, Santon Theatre on the Square. Your show runs until the 26th. You are over it. Tell me about your show.
0: Did the first show last night. And the majority of the audience were from, were property people, Jewish property people, I think. And the women in particular looked fantastic. They were all poster women for Botox, I would say. I couldn't see well from where I was standing, but it was a great show. And then the rest of the audience were Joburg Jewish mummies. So, I, 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 uh, yeah, there was quite a group few people there, actually. I just sit on a barstool and talk about what's been going on and how we are doing. And and it's just therapy, Sharice, you're right. It's just an hour and a half of laughter therapy with me, but not laughter therapy in the yogic sense, because if you do laughter therapy yoga, as you know, there are no jokes. You, you have to, I don't bring any jokes to the laughter yoga. You have to do your own laughing. You have to just start. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> and then we go from there. You can expect to um... laugh, but I think that's a fair... Statement that you can expect to have 90 minutes of laughter
1: For a comedian, is every single show different?
0: Yeah, because the audience is different And I was actually just thinking about two shows I I did on the weekend Where my mother has come to the last 17 of my She's been at 17 of my last six shows Over the last two days That's how I would describe how many shows It feels like she's been to And sat in the front row But they've all been different somehow
1: Nick, I look forward to seeing you at the Santam Theatre on the Square. If anybody would like to see Nick at his show, um, Nick is over it. Um, and it is Santam Theatre the Square. You can book tickets at CompuTicket or you can contact Daphne at the theatre. Nick, thank you so much for joining me. I've enjoyed thank it.
0: Thank you, Cherise.